Hi, this is Chad Parrish from the Dead Game Society podcast and TSR's new Game School podcast, and you're listening to Gaming and BS. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. This is episode 64, where we'll talk about holidays and festivals. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett, and I'm slow on the uh, I'm slow on the unmute <laughs> this morning, this evening. Holiday was, weekend, I've got jerky sloth still going on here. I hypnotized Brett. Brett with my voice. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, shit, there's just, Sean. Hey, man, thing how's on? it going? Knock, knock. <laughs> hello, hello. All right. So we're back. We are back. Uh, after we're totally still here. Happy holidays. Yes. For those in uh, America, or I should say United States of America, I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. Those of you who celebrated, had a damn good time on my end. I shot yet another animal yesterday, so that made me feel good. So always nice to slake my bloodlust on something apart from my coworkers or gamers at my table. So that's always nice. Well, thanks for sharing that, Brad. All our... Uh are more, um, how should we put it, animal-sensitive listeners, I'm sure, really appreciate your <laughs> your update. Well, the, the <laughs> thing is, the cuter the animal, the more better tastes. I mean, just really. <laughs> oh, God. We better move on before we, All like, right. really before piss some people get... off. Yeah, there we go. All right, <laughs> announcements. Uh, so I, gaming or GBS, Gaming and BS Apparel, um, we use Spreadshirt, and Spreadshirt has notified me that if you place an order through their – so if one of our listeners or if you decide to, to pick up a T-shirt or something, you can get free standard shipping starting November 26th and going to December 1st. So the time you hear this, pretty awesome timing, I guess, on our part, right? Because I think it drops on the second. Shit. Hey, um, never mind. Yes, it will drop on. <laughs> it'll drop on the first. Just enough time for you not to catch it. Oh, so, criminy. Anyways, well, well, whatever. Whatever. If you, I post. It, it, even if you don't get on, on the deal, buy a shirt. It's awesome. Yeah, we don't mark them up. I don't think no. at all. I think we maybe make a buck. Anyways, so just forget that announcement altogether. Ah, oh, that's okay. The announcement. Again, it's, it's the it's the holidays. <sighs> the post turkey food coma. Yes, tryptophan is a mother. Exactly. What else have you got? Survey continue. Surveys says. So we've got a survey out there. Um, we're interested to hear about what you have to say. Go to gamingnbs.com forward slash survey, and that'll take you to the Google survey page. Um, so I want to thank everybody that's provided feedback. I think we've gotten 28, 29. It depends if you ask Brett or myself. Um, yeah, I see 28. Sean says he sees 29. Yeah. But as we know, I can't do math, so chances are Sean's right. And so, it, so that is awesome, I think, just having – I mean, I was like, oh, we'll probably get four. Uh, but 20, 28, 29. So some some comments uh, – so we ask some of the optional ones we mentioned, you know, age, uh, gender, just to kind of get an idea of what our audience – who our audience is uh, demographically. And then, of course, what do we do wrong and what do we do right? Uh, some comments. You guys like to stick to your favorites, which is to be expected, mind you. However, I'd love to get a more in-depth look at some of these systems and others. Shadowrun, Age, D20 versus D10 versus D6 versus Diceless, World of Cinnabar, perhaps. He he, sinister laugh. 
No on that last one. Uh, Carry on. Um, I love your discussions, but they often drift around before landing near the target. It seems like you guys are working off the cuff, and it works against you in a lot of ways. Sean especially seems to have a hard time contributing when it's his turn to talk. Notes would help. Thank you. Um, Somebody else saw what I've seen for 64 episodes now. Bad Sean's cats. Good everything but Sean's cats. That's to be expected. But uh, no, in all seriousness, though, it is great to hear even, you know, when someone's like, hey, you guys are rambling a bit or whatever it is. That's great, because one thing then it's a conscious decision on our part. Do you change and say, hey, maybe we could tighten this up. Maybe we could do a couple tweaks. You know, this is episode 64. So it's, you know, now is a really good time for you to kind of say, hey, I really like this thing. If you keep this going in this other direction, it might be better, sharper. We're not adverse to uh, changing things up. So it's very good. I appreciate everybody writing in. I'm advar- adverse, but whatever. Yeah, well, you have nothing to say, apparently. So that's good. Wow. <laughs> I, t- no I tend to walk it. I, t- I tend to talk in circles and never get to. I think we both do that a little bit. Uh, so that's all my announcements. And then Brett has one up there. What are you talking about, Brett? What are you talking, what yeah, you I wanted to Brett? say, um, one of the things that Sean and I have been, we'll be kind of hitting and, uh, Chris Nizak over at Misdirected Mark on their last episode dropped a, a thing on this as well. And this is one of the reasons why we kind of, we joke back and forth that we're kind of the same podcast brain trust sometimes. Um, one of the things that, that Sean and I have been talking about doing is saying, Hey, to, again, to the earlier uh, listener feedback that Sean read was, Maybe it's that about time instead of some always the general gaming advice. Perhaps now it's time that we dig into something a little a little meatier. I think before we get too deep into something incredibly meaty, one Sean and I need to at least uh, go through and admit our limitations. I'm sure guys like uh, Chris Nizak who love designing systems and tearing things apart and so forth are going to have certain um, levels of intelligent conversation around that that I probably won't be able to have, but. Come on, Next, man. Uh, hey, hey, man. Hey. Hey. Don't sell yourself man. short, buddy. Come on. Oh, thanks. Come on, thanks, man. man. You could do it. So I think we're going to try to get into some more system and or setting specific types of topics. Um, next one, though, I want to do kind of a high-level definition slash ideas thing with Sean. So uh, more on that next week. We'll see how it goes. All right. So I think that wraps that up. That's announcements. Random right. encounter. Let's go to random encounter. Random Encounter, segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, and comments from social media from you. And uh, we've got a few, and we're talking about, uh, you want me to take the first one? All right. Brett is nodding yes. Yes, for all sorry. Those that can <laughs> so, actually, oh, yeah, just, can, so everybody can hear, totally hear his brain like rattle around front oh, to back versus side to side. Yeah, all that bad listener <laughs> feedback. We've we've earned every ounce of that this episode. It's Keep not, going. Hey, Your it's turn. not bad enough. So we're we're really wanting to take it to another level. I'll wreck this fucker. That's what I'm gonna <laughs> do. Right. Keep going. Jeff Rademacher poses off of Google Plus. I was thinking about it the last couple weeks after Gamehole Con. If you're a GM, what makes a good con player? I played in three games at the con, my first con. And in two of them, everyone seemed tentative. I'd be willing to bet that I was the least experienced player at the table, but was made the commanding officer by default. I tried to do what I could, but sometimes I felt like I was on an island. Then the 13th Age game, my last of the con, everyone was into it, and I think it was a blast for us and the GM. We were a team, and I never felt alone. 
So what can I as a player or any player do to make the game better for you to run as a GM or for the overall quality of the game? Ooh, damn good question, Mr. So, Je- so let's put the things into context here. Jeff was in my Savage Worlds Weird Wars 2 game. I think, I think it, it was a very polite way for him to complain about the game without directly calling you out. Well, that's what that he's very nice of him. He's talking about how he took over <laughs> command because he I had a sergeant who was the highest ranking of the military squad that he was that was there, um, and he took over and he. I think that's what he's referring to as far as like. Well, I mean, if you're going to play characters that are in a chain of command type of construct, it's helpful to have whoever's in command be in freaking command. Right, but I think. So the dynamic of the table that Jeff is trying to tiptoe around is that I had players, I had two players that knew each other, three players that knew each other, but one didn't have a ticket. So I had to like, hey, dude, you got to sit out and sit and root on your buddies. And uh, and then Jeff, and I think that was it. So I had five people and, uh, you know, a couple pairs, a couple couples, I guess, and then Jeff. And they didn't really... They really didn't get into it, I guess, for lack of better words. None of them had played Savage Worlds. Maybe that was part of it. Um, a majority of them played D&D or Pathfinder, I believe. I don't know if that has kind of a impact on the their approach to a con game or what it was. Well, I'll tell you what, though. Some folks sounded off in our Google Plus community where, he, where Jeff posted this up. <clears throat> and I think the best advice out there is go grab and do stuff. Even if you don't know how mechanically it needs to get done, I mean, if nothing else, I, I tell, I joke with people. I'm like, <clears throat> play the game like my wife would, and that is like, I want to do this thing. Tell me what I have to roll to make it happen. I want to do. <laughs> is that how I your wanna, wife plays? Yeah, she has oh. a great character concept, whatever it is, and she's like, look, I there some of the rules. She's like, I really don't want to bother read it. I'm just gonna tell you what I want to do. And, uh, oh, I need to roll a dexterity check? Great. And she logs that away in her head and says, okay, next time I do this type of thing, must be a dexterity check. Oh, roll a hit. It's a d20. Beat a target number. Great. I got it. So even if you've not played the system before, um, it's fine to raise your hand and say, I'm new to Savage World, Sean, Mr. Game Master Dude or Miss Game Master Ma'am. I want to do this thing. What do I have to do to make that happen? And even if you fall on your face or you galactically fail in some in some way because you try to do something your character wasn't skilled for. Who gives a shit, really? I mean, you're there to have fun, and unless fun for you is laying in the weeds or, or sitting back and being a little more passive at the table, some people find that fun. They like to be a part of a thing but not always um, really active or overtly active. Um, otherwise, just go for it. Just do stuff. I had, so part of the, the characters that I drew up, I put in like a quote, and then I also put in a very, very brief this is a little bit about your character. It's, and so you got to be conscious of not getting too into the weeds because they'll just not read it and not care. So one, for example, was kind of a newbie recruit. Um, one of his hindrances, and that's another thing. Savage Worlds has hinder- hindrances that some player characters just don't understand what to do with them. They don't, they don't play them. And that's fine at a con game, especially those that haven't played. But, I mean, it was like a quote, like, Hey man, I don't know about this or hey, what are we going to do now? And some of the players once in a while a player would do that. Like if it was their kind of so I look at each one, what are you doing? He's like, "Hey, what are we going to do now?" cuz you know, it's the new guy. And grab that, the quote and pull it out and use it in game. Yeah, right. Cool. And uh so I think it is a 
as a player character, like when I go to cons, I'm a pretty reserved guy. I sit back and because I want to, I want to see the dynamics of the table. Because if everybody's kind of equals, then I'll kind of get into it and suggest things. Or depending on who, what I'm playing, um, if it's not, I got to be conscious of taking over the table. And you know, if I've had a few drinks, well, shit, man, then you know. It's all it's all up in the air after that. I think I think Kevin Kev Thulu or Kevin Lovecraft. I, I think his quote was, you know, play that character like you stole it, because it's not your character in your home campaign. It's a one shot event. Really freaking go. And so some of my buddies played Fate for the first time at Game Hole, and what my buddy Dave said was, I'm like, you know what? I want to do this thing, and I want to make sure I absolutely positively have to succeed. How do I do that? He narrated what he wanted to do. He looked at the game master and said, Rob, what do I do? I need to do this thing. How, how do I make this happen? I don't care about pluses or minuses. Just tell me what I got to do. If it fails, it fails, but this is what I'm doing. And I really think that type of approach for a con game as a player is great because if nothing else, it gives the game master energy to feed off of. If he's a good, if he or she is a good game master, they're going to grab it and roll and say, Oh great. This person's doing stuff. <clears throat> and sometimes at a con game, if you don't like being bored, if you sit back and don't do much, the game master, I know I have when I, when I run games, at conventions is I've only done really small cons, but the people that are doing stuff actively, I have an easier time working off of them than somebody who just sits back. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll roll the hit or I don't know. What do you want to do? And perhaps it's, you know, a job for the game master to try to pay more attention to those other folks and pull them in, but do something. I mean, take actions, do grab stuff. Them, grab them, grab them. GM should grab them by the shirt and lift them up off the table and shake them while their Scruffle feet dangle and say, what do you do? Your life depends on it. Act. And then <laughs> act, see what, you act. and then see what happens if they run away. I, uh, I advocate for carrying a cold, wet fish and slapping them <laughs> uh, about the head and neck when necessary to make them act. But should I, come in honestly, with a cattle prod. Bzz, bzz. Hey, here's the motivation. I'm not around, Zot. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you, motivation. But seriously, I uh, when I'm running and uh, other people I've talked to, when they run, like, oh, that, that table was great. Everyone really got into it versus I had a couple people at my six-person game who were into it, but, Jesus, the other three just sat there like lumps. It's really hard to have a fun game when you don't do anything. So you're there to act. It's, a, it's, a, um, it's not a spectator sport. So get in it. That's that's my thought. So what I'm going to do in the future is I'm going to bring vials of cocaine, and I'm just going to, like, right next to their table tents, just say, hey, you really want to get into this and make it a really great time? Just take a, just take a snort off of that. <laughs> just need a, need and, uh, yeah, you'll, I mean, instant role-playing, like, to the up, like, magnified. That, that's that's what we need. <laughs> that's what we need. <laughs> And for chasers, we'll give everyone Red Bulls. Yeah, that's what we'll do. That's kind of like a downer at that point, isn't it? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not a. I was. I don't know. I'm not an aficionado of cocaine, but for the record, <laughs> neither am I. Right. Um, but anyway, if other people have it, uh, Jeff's got his the strings out there on on G plus on our community there, or if you listen to us in your uh, in our Facebook um, group, feel free to comment out there and say, hey, you know, when I'm at a game at a convention, I like to do X, Y, or Z. Or if you say, hey, you know, when I'm a game master at these conventions, I really like it when the players do this. And um, that type of thing, even if it may, may or may not be you as the player or whatever it is, it's a good opportunity to um, kind of figure out, hey, here's some other tips and tricks and things I can do. So, Yeah, I, cool. think, I think for the record, Jeff did well in my game. I think he was kind of wondering, like, what maybe he could have done or what 
those other people could have done to do to do things better. And the the whole it just comes down to this: just do something, talk, act, um, go Gonzo. It doesn't matter if your guy's gonna die or not. Just and you know, don't as don't long be as you're afraid. Not stomping on the other players, right. fun. It even long, there's yeah. No, I was gonna say there's a difference between you know going Gonzo and having a good time, and then realizing that you basically shut everybody else down. Right. If nothing else, if you do for whatever reason, the game master's latched onto you, Jeff, and you're like, oh my god, he's totally doing this, and there's poor Chris and Phil, and they just can't seem to get a word in edgewise. You as that alpha player at the table go Chris what do you want to do Phil get in here Sean come on man we're a team we got to do something and it's it's a good way for you then as a player to scoop other folks in me as a game master that type of thing is always cool to see so yeah so I, I don't know if that answers your question Jeff I, but there's there's a few people that have commented on that we figured we'd bring it on the air so if you have a specific comment that's like hey this is how I get players engaged at a con game you know, write in or here's some suggestions for players at a con game. Um, write in at gamingmbs at gmail.com. Hook us up on Facebook or Twitter. Moving on to the next one. Right, you gonna take this one or yeah, this is around episode sixty three, our previous one just before this. Uh, treachery. treachery. Talked about treachery. <clears throat> and we had a number of folks get on the um <laughs> nice. <clears throat> get on the Google Plus stream and start talking about this a little bit. Uh, Kevin Keneally says, uh, let him at it. Honestly, have an open discussion before beginning the campaign about what the expectations are for the party. Do you want inter-party conflict or not? Are you a cohesive group or folks put together by chance? Good per- good perspective. John Henry says, I've had in-game treachery slash infighting make it so two friends of mine won't play in the same game together anymore. Yeesh. Yeah. On another occasion, it w- nearly ended a friendship. On most other occasions, it worked out fine, but I just don't think the risks are worth it, so I generally avoid it if I can. Um, do, 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 and he uh, gave a link out there to a, a board game geek about a treachery-based board game for 5 to 10 people. Uh, I believe it's called Resistance Avalon. That looks pretty damn cool. Matt Martinez also wrote in, I once played a campaign of an old World of Darkness vampire, The Masquerade. That's when I realized I don't like inter-party conflict. <clears throat> Our group consisted of a Nosferatu, myself, a Malkavian, and a Tremere. So for those of you who don't know what the hell that is, Nosferatu are the hideous, nasty, often seen as sewer-dwelling vampires. They're nasty, horrible, uh, physical uh, ugliness. Uh, Malkavians are all insane, kind of like the Joker insane. And the Tremere are the um, magic-wielding vampires. <clears throat> the Tremere more or less kept making power, uh, power plays through the entire campaign. It got to a point where I honestly thought my fellow party member and I were going to have to take him out to save ourselves. We'll say I don't fault the player. It seems to me that this sort of backstabbing is baked into the fiction of that game. And uh, the Brett's, uh, Brett's side note is, yeah, it definitely is. Um, Matt goes on to say, so he was just playing it as it was meant to be played. Unfortunately, I just fell on edge during the entire thing and not in a good way. Couple that with a clunky success-based die pool resolution mechanic, and I've come to the conclusion that I don't ever want to play Vampire ever again. So <clears throat> I think Matt's got a very good point. There's, if nothing else, even if your group, says, hey, we really want to do it, you be a big boy, big, big girl, raise your hand and go, that doesn't sound like fun for me. Or when it's happening, say, I don't let me no likey, you know, or whatever other phrase you want to use, but just, you know, call it out when you don't like it. And that, that helps. All right. Oh, and Mr. Czak <clears throat> said, uh, he got in there, said, I felt like Brett was a little upset with Sean coming over to Misdirected Mark to chat. Just another reason to start learning how to shoot and acquire some bodyguards so Brett doesn't kill me, or at least I don't go down without a fight. Oh, 
that's not going to save you, Chris. That's not going to help. Mm-hmm. No, that's not going to do it. Nope. Not going to do it. I mean, even, as Kevin says in the chat room right now, when Kevin does raise his hand to complain about something, I just fucking punch him right in the eye. Boom. Sit down, Kev. You should so see it happen on Roll20. It is the most incredible thing you've ever seen. <laughs> Anything else from uh, uh, Random Encounter there, brother? No. Are we good? I, I think we're good. Uh, yeah, I think we're good. Let's get into the topic, shall we? need a holiday tis the season absolutely and this is one of those things that are kind of coming off of turkey day and um various other components of just a lot of shit going on around the house and i kept thinking about just the raw number of festivals and holidays and things that happen this time of year and the havoc it plays on my family my work schedule and everything else i'm trying to get done so I was thinking about it, and I know it's kind of a squishy, feel-good, softy, little general type of topic when it comes to RPGs, but there's something to me that's really cool about having a living, breathing world ecology for any setting, um, be it sci-fi, fantasy, even modern, anything. When you have a um, w- when you have these festivals, these holidays, these special occasions, and I've used them a couple different times over the years. And uh, as parts, key, key components, or if not key, but um, various parts of the story to help punctuate different components of it. And I found that's been pretty handy. Sean, when you run in, uh, let's take a fantasy game. Let's start with that. Yeah. Or I, I guess anything. Yeah. But do you yeah. do things like big feast days or end of year holidays or anything like that? Is that anything that's come up in your games? Yeah, man. It does. I uh, ran Rise of the Ruin Lords that starts out as a festival holiday. Now, granted, that was a pre-published module, but the foundation was that you were starting out in a small town, and however you got there, whatever you were doing there, maybe you were traveling through, maybe you were part of a, oh, I don't know, traveling troop of festival goers, uh, entertainers, whatever it was, it started out with everybody in the town square and vendors, and everybody was having a whoop de doo good time. And then I won't spoil anything, but something happens. So I have done Shocking. it, Brett. I have done it, Brett. Um, awesome. Yeah, and I think I agree with you. The holidays creates kind of a dynamic amongst all the members of of society. Right. I mean, look at us like we're going crazy. It's holiday season. It's like, hey, we get time off from work and we go and travel and we meet with people we may or may not like or or we're (laughs) even related to. And then we feed our faces full of food and and, you know, we're thankful or we're harvesting stuff or we're hunting or whatever that is. And then we're you know paying homage to, you know deities and all this other stuff. And, you know, it's kind of a big deal for people. I think that having using them is really good. They're really great, awesome stuff, Sean. That might hey, be the I, best you've I did now. some of my research. I'm yeah, not bullshitting around this. I'm not bullshitting around this episode. Whoever that is out there, around. I know my I get, stuff now. Brother. I get your number. Hey, go ahead and update your survey and change that comment. <laughs> so anyway, I like the fact. Um, the thing I found from for me for use 
It's, yes, very good, Sean. Um, the best thing to use holidays for or special occasions in the game world are great punctuation notes like, hey, this If you play a horror game, a lot of things happen on, you know, All Hallows Eve. They happen on full moons and things like that. And using them in there just kind of helps punctuate what the world's really like or how people operate. It also is a lot of fun for um, uh, for me. It's a lot of fun for when you're dealing with NPCs and you go and you're like knocking on a blacksmith's door and you're like, what the hell? What's going on? And, you know, n nothing's going on, no one's around, and they're down, everybody's at the inn, or everyone's at the temple, or whatever. It's like, hey, it's the Feast of Saloon. I'm sorry, we're here now. We're not, uh, this isn't, I'm not working today. You know, that's, that's a good it point. It just adds a bit of flavor. It's fun. That's a good point, Brett, because I think if you got into the nuances, right, because I think you go into town, you get an N, well, guess what? It's whatever time of the year, and all the things. Things in the end are full. Oh, and you go down the street and all the rooms are taken. Well, it looks like you're camping on the outside of town. But what does that mean? Does that mean it rains? Hey, and you don't get a lot of rest. So I think, like, we talk about some of the subtle nuances. We do hand-wavy stuff. I don't know, man. I think sometimes you got to get into that because otherwise, okay, we'll just go outside of town and camp like we always do because we're wandering the countryside and that's what we do. But if there is a consequence to that, then getting a room makes a difference. And some games don't facilitate that really well. And and not even, maybe the game does, but maybe the GM just kind of like, yeah, who cares, whatever, that's cool. Okay, so you go out there, who's going to watch? Set up some watch. Of the things that, exactly, this type of thing that, I guess similar to some of the things we've spoken about before, some games do indeed have a mechanic that may help with certain components of it. Or um, well, And I've, we've talked about this before when it comes to travel or tracking time in previous episodes, again, if you don't remember which one, start at one, work your way forward. Um, <clears throat> the game master needs to, it, to me, I, I build a calendar and I try to track the days. Is it the fifth day, the sixth day since you've traveled or, hey, you've gone a week that, oh, by the way, guys, you're getting close to um, this end of year holiday. And that also helps me say, oh, shit, this means fall is almost over. We started just at the cusp of fall. And um, now I, I want to change the weather up, right? excuse me because this holiday is supposed to be coming up and oh my gosh it's you know a winter a winter festival and wow uh it's there's no snow Ooh, what's that about okay there's a plot point that the gods are unhappy or there's a weird temperature shift and because of it is so nice the dragons aren't hibernating right now or it's so damn cold all the giants came down from mountains like they normally don't and start laying waste to stuff so <clears throat> excuse me I love putting that stuff in, and I found that even to me, when you do sci-fi, I think back to some of the um, uh, the Star Trek episodes and so forth, when they go to these other planets, and these planets are like, oh, what do they do here? Oh, it's the time of this. It's the time of that. Oh, we we do this type of thing. It's a it's a very cultural thing, obviously, your, your different holidays and stuff. It's a good way to influence, or I shouldn't say influence, but um, introduce different key points of culture for various different components. In my current Avalon game, I'm running the guys um, are working with some dwarves. They haven't dealt with a dwarven nation much at all. So I've got an opportunity to pull in some dwarven holidays and events that are going to be kind of, it'll be new to the players and that'll be kind of fun. Yes. I think it's good stuff. Now, <clears throat> apart from it being a great place to do plot hooks and stuff in game, I think that's, that's pretty simple stuff. Um, the, the occult, the ecology of the world and hooking 
key story uh, events off it and all that stuff. That's that's handy. But I think one of the things is that it's very easy to forget. If you sit down and you make a calendar and you say, wow, I really got this really cool thing. You have to make a conscious effort. Like a lot, we've talked about this before with a lot of under uh, other uh, components of kind of bookkeeping. If it become, if you look at it, go, I, I sat down and made a calendar for every month of the year. It's 12 months long. Each month has 25 days, blah, 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 blah. And you look at it and go, damn, that's a lot of bookkeeping. I just don't think I can, I don't necessarily think I can or want to keep track of all of that stuff. So if you don't want to do it, um, <laughs> I guess yeah, either, you know, just, you can just flat hand wave it or whatever it is. But if I guess where I'm going is that if you haven't utilized this type of thing, for a very long time, and then suddenly out of nowhere, bam, you go, oh, by the way, it's the high summer feast day. Everyone's like, these characters have been around for, you know, 10 years in game time, and we've never celebrated high feast day. What? Oh, must be a plot device. Um, if you only bring it out when it is a plot device sometimes, then it becomes the, uh, it's like watching, <laughs> like watching the, the, the cop show on TV where the guy who's the murderer is the special guest star. You know, when, when you see the plot device come out, you're like, oh, there it is. Grab onto that hook, and we'll just follow it to wherever it goes. So I think if you're going to do it, um, you need to sprinkle it in periodically. Otherwise, it becomes way too obvious that you've got something big hooked up on it. That's a good point. I think that um, but it, it, keeping track of time can be tricky, but I think that's a good point. You don't well, and it doesn't have to be a plot point device, hard and fast, right? It doesn't have to be. It's the midnight or midsummer's festival, you know, and that's has to happen for the plot to take place. But let's talk a little bit, Brett. Hey, let's talk a little bit about what holidays or festivals or special occasions in your role-playing game, what does it do or what can it do? Why would you want to use it? Are you with me? Are you with me? Brett, Brett, when you you want to do that, when you want to go into the holiday or festival and you want to pose that to your players – why do you want to do that? What what would it help you do as a game master? The best thing it helps me to do is that I get to do uh, to develop the the setting where the players are, and it also helps me key in on certain NPCs how they're reacting to the event. So again, like we talked about in a town or a city, everyone's preparing for a feast, or people are all, hey, it's not necessarily a, uh, a holiday per se, but it's a time when they go out and it's. Uh, the day of slaughter or whatever it is that a lot of butcher, ha- a lot of butchering happens. The, all the farmers drive the, drive the cattle in the tanneries are going crazy. Everybody's busy, 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 busy. Um, I could drive prices up and down as necessary. Um, and I can also take, again, as I say, the NPCs and have people like, look, I can't, I really have no time to talk to you. Oh, I could really use some help. Um, yeah. Could you take, I'll, I'll cut you a deal on this sword or this gun or this stuff. If you take this load of whatever it is to the other end of the town, or can you fly this from point A to point B for me? Because, oh my God, I'm so swamped right now because of this holiday. And the other piece for me is then I get to ask the, the player characters, you as uh, when you, when your character grew up, okay, let's, how does this happen before? Did you, does your family get together for, you know, saloons high holiday? And they say, you know what? I think we do. Have you seen your mom lately? Oh, shit. I got to go see mom. And you get to pull on some of those dependent NPCs or even bring it up and have the characters have an opportunity to say, I really like this thing um, about this holiday because we always had this type of special pie or cookies or, or roast beast or whatever it is that you happen to have. And you get to kind of pitch it to the players and have them narrate a little bit more about what their characters have done 
in the past around this holiday. No, I hate this holiday. Why do you hate this holiday? And Sean's character says, well, I've hated this holiday ever since because my mother died on the holiday. Oh, my God, there you go. And we now have something we can bring up in the live. Well, in, in, is that what you're going for? It is, Brett. And I'll even take it a little bit further. So what you're saying is it sometimes brings people together, like family, maybe totally. it's friends, right? So in a RPG sense, you know, how would you do that? Would you, you know, say, hey, the holiday's going on. You know, maybe the character, right, you mentioned like, hey, do you celebrate that? And they say, yes, I do. And then they go, okay, I haven't seen your mother for a while. But what if they say, no, I don't celebrate it or I don't go? What does that mean then? What, right? So what happens when Brett doesn't go home to see mom and dad for the holidays or his sister or brothers or whatever? Then what happens? Exactly. Uh-oh. Then more, then, more sh- then more shit goes down, right? Right. When, when you do show up and everyone else is like, you haven't seen your mom or your parents in forever? They live on the other side of the village. What's wrong with you? Whole nother dynamic. <laughs> and the other component of it is, too, when you talk temples and um, or even if you're uh, sci-fi or even in a modern setting now, right? <clears throat> if you're trying to talk to somebody um, over a religious holiday and you show complete disregard or dis- <sighs> or you despise the holiday... Those who worship it are really like it are like, dude, really? Come on. Why you got to be like that? So do you get help or not? And does your family balk you when you go and you look at your character sheet and say, well, you know, I've always wanted my, – my dad and I are really tight. You go, really? Really? When's the last time you were home to talk to your old man? You've been in the same village that you grew up in for the last year and a half, and you've not bothered to talk to your dad. So you can have those opportunities to not necessarily mess with the player characters, but you got a chance to – take those things and bring it up it's a small component of it but again it's that world ecology that makes everything a little more real yeah or what happens if you're you know somebody a member of your crew clan family doesn't partake in maybe the festivities in the same way right so we have real world comparing to real world you know maybe maybe folks may or may not go to church but maybe their family members do and and then all of a sudden, how, what does that spur, right? Hey, oh, hey, you are not a follower of uh, Vecna? What's up? Uh, uh, <laughs> Vecna has so many high holidays. You know, that's not very cool. Um, Vecna's going to not look fondly upon you because you're not going to to worship tonight at midnight where we're going to sacrifice a goat. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that, that's the that it does play too into the we've talked about the before, especially with uh, fantasy settings when we're just going to go to the temple and and uh, give him five gold pieces and get healed, and he gets this game. Whoa, just had a high holiday for uh, Odin, and none of y'all bothered to show up. Nothing's happened. What the hell? Right. So again, it, it's it's a world builder, is what I see it as. <sighs> so yeah. I want to take it out of game now. Uh oh. Now, when we talk at when to take it out of the game here is that what happens now is that Sean and I were looking at uh, calendars and schedules and stuff because he runs his game every other week. My game with my home crew, I run once a month. And one of the things that's happened, I think I've, I've slipped a little bit this year as opposed to last year. Normally, I've been able to kind of wrap up my current game story. I try to punch it through and get it done by Halloween time. So that way, when I go into the holidays through November, December, if we can't get together because of all the family obligations and work and different vacations people have that we're not missing anything this time though, the story's still going and it's going to be <clears throat> about two months before we really get to game again. So there is, there's a distinct danger 
for me and my group that I'm going to lose interest with the crew. So I was thinking about it after I got back from my last hunting trip and working last week, trying to figure out what the hell do I do to, um, <clears throat> to try to make sure that the group still has, do they care about it? Do they not care about it? So, okay, you know, put out a Google plus post, try to get with the players. Hey, I can keep going with this. Is this still interesting? And so on. So I think there is a real lifetime and calendaring component that we need to pay attention to because we're going to have certain pieces where we can't, um, we can't get around it. People aren't going to be able to make it. You might end up having to go a month, especially around the holidays. So I think it's worth figuring out different ways to keep the group engaged when possible offline. So Sean, being that you don't normally, how you don't normally stop ever gaming. No, I, I, you know, there's only one person in this world that can stop me from gaming. That's your wife. And that is my wife. (laughs) Otherwise I'm gaming, baby. But it's hard around the holidays. Well, people say, like, trying to game around that, forget about it. It, It's, I mean, they say if a campaign can survive the holiday season, you're good to go. But many fizzle out. Hey, many a funeral of campaigns are just around the corner. Come January, there will be... It's like the news resolution at the gym at the gym down the street, right? Everyone's working out because we're all going to lose weight this new year. Everyone's going to start gaming again like crazy. Right. Um, we've talked about this before in other episodes. I really think that, and like I said, I think I, I fell a little short on this, so I started doing a little bit more work on it this week. I'll continue to do some more over the next couple of weeks around um, my my gaming group and trying to get them more information to do like either Google plus post emails and allowing for what I, used, what I often call downtime activity. Like, Hey, between game sessions, what do you want to accomplish? Here's some stuff. Here's how we want to, <clears throat> here's how we want to keep the game going and basically keep the hype or keep the excitement around the game, around the game itself in place. So that way, when you do get back to the next session in January, you know, make sure I've got my notes published, which I'm a little behind on. Make sure I've talked to the players and said, hey, this is still what's going on. Here's a new revelation for you. Here's something to to mull over in your mind before the next game. So that way, when we do get together in January, everyone's like, oh, yes, it's kind of like we never left. Right. So everything is as fresh as possible. And uh, <clears throat> as closer to the end of the year, closer to the new year, uh, then I start amping up that communication to the group just to keep everybody on the same path or on the same track. Yes, I think that the holiday season is tough to keep people engaged. And you can do it offline, and sometimes it just isn't meant to be. But, you know, another thing is a lot of people that will try to run games, if they don't run them, maybe they run once a month, once every two months. Then maybe the holidays isn't a huge factor. Possible. Now, I think the interesting piece now, stepping out of game and talking about our, our kind of like the real life struggles and whatnot, if you then take it, and uh, as Kevin was saying in the in the chat room here, and you think a non-fantasy setting, Sean and I often talk fantasy D&D because it's, it's uh, a quick example for us. Default. <clears throat> default, me. right? It's a very default thing to talk about when you talk about RPGs. But um, if I run like Call of Cthulhu in a modern setting or an espionage game, um, the holidays have a crazy impact in a modern setting on how the world operates, right? Um, different, all these different religious groups across our, our world 
have many different holidays and things that are holy or sacred and locations that are visited. Pilgrimages occur at certain times and all of this stuff is very important. <clears throat> it can shut down airports or cause massive delays in airports. It can, um, tourists can just, tourism can just be insane. Then you're in our modern world and even, even perhaps more so now that it's televised, you get uh, protests, you get different groups that don't like another group. You've got terrorist threats. We've got different things that can happen either real or, I mean, if you want nasty, horrible things to look at, I mean, just open up CNN or your local news channel and you can find all sorts of horrible, nasty shit that's happened over the holidays. The other piece that happens then is when you're talking to the characters, if you're playing, as we talked about a couple episodes ago, kind of a dark and gritty game or a noirish game, I would expect the player characters to have something bad or perhaps the uh, a bad memory about a holiday. That's when my mom died. That's when I had to plug my first bad guy. That's when I got stabbed. Or that's the one shining moment in that character's history. Look, I love Christmas. Um, my character, when uh, Hanukkah was always the best time of year for him because that's when he always got to see family. It was one of the only times he ever really enjoyed his life. Um, <clears throat> so that it can be really a cool thing to keep track of in a modern setting. And I find sometimes that when I played modern settings, I forget the, hol the holidays faster than I do in a fantasy world because sometimes in the fantasy world I'm so busy trying to make sure that it feels so alive and plug all these components in that when I go modern and to me sci-fi is very similar to fantasy in that way and that I'm, I want to make it alive you're on a different planet or something so I'm building this ecology but in a modern setting I find it very easy for me to accidentally hand wave it or just a flat forget about it even something as simple as seasonal changes and so forth um when it becomes modern, we're like, oh, yeah, shit, there was uh, we just ran from here to there. And I don't think it should have been that easy because guess what? There's this huge festival in Transylvania this time of year or wow, London has um, Guy Fawkes Day happens uh, this point in, in the UK or, or whatever's going on. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I think uh, I think Ken, Ken Hyde has talked about this. The, the modern world has so much really cool stuff. I think it's definitely worth digging into and keeping track of, again, from a calendar perspective. So you can see what it's going to do to your modern game, dude. It, adventures totally during that sorry. time of year—it doesn't. We always talk about the holidays, but what about like the things that aren't national or international? Maybe it's like Oktoberfest. Maybe it's Mardi Gras. Maybe it's um, oh shoot, uh, winter winter festivals in in Deutschland where they're serving warm Absolutely. wine and uh, Bastille days, right. In France. And then you're going to send your people there for whatever reason. And I say your people as in your player characters or whatever, especially if you're like modern game, espionage, Knights, black agents, some of those details. So, I mean, one was, uh, give an example. I ran a game in Spycraft that, uh, happened to take place during the running of the bulls in, uh, Pam, was it Pamplona? Yeah, Pamplona, Spain. Spain. Yeah. The bulls. You know, so imagine, you know, your player characters have to run with the bulls because they're, they've got a package and they're, they get, you know, they're going through a chase and all of a sudden now they're in the running of the bulls. Um, and then they've got like a microchip. Yeah, and they've got like a microchip and one of them's like, I got to get rid of this thing so the bad guys don't get it. So they put it on like a, one of the bulls and then they got to hunt down the bull that has the microchip on it. I mean, it's, it's total cat chaos, mass hysteria, crazy stuff that makes up, you know, stories 
after the fact. Like the whole thing could be just ridiculous as hell, but that was that element or that piece was fun and you know, I mean Genevieve, who's a friend of my buddy or my friend, a friend of my buddy Peter's wife, and I, she was in my game and she talks about that that piece of that game session, not the whole campaign, just that one element of that game session about the running of the bulls. And one of the guys did something crazy, like put a chip on uh, one of the bulls, and then they had to get that, and it was just out of hand and out of control. And it was fabulous. There's a number of action movies um, or spy movies and other modern type of settings that take place at things like Mardi Gras, right? Right. Um, yeah, James um, Bond, man. The, James Bond, there's there's Mardi Gras things. There is um, St. Patrick's Day. It depends where you are. This is huge. Yeah, Chicago. Um, That's uh, yeah, exactly. The, what's uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, she, oh yeah, the that movie? guy. No, the movie with Harrison Ford, right? The guy who is. Oh, yeah, the, the one armed man. You're talking, yeah, yeah. Where he's, yeah, the guy who killed. Oh, fuck, I lost. What's what his it? name, um, man? During the, the he's the going fugitive. the fugitive. Yeah, so yeah, he's going fugitive, through Chicago during yeah. like the parade. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, and even so, the cool part about a modern setting with that, even if you don't utilize it, oftentimes, as I said, in fantasy. And to me in sci-fi, when I have my made-up holiday, it ends up being this great um, hook for a plot device or something. But in a modern setting, one of the cool parts is that it's more – it's that some of the local color. Like if you – if the guys are – saying you're playing Night's Black Agents and you're tromping around Europe trying to find the fucking vampires. And you end up somewhere in uh, Berlin or France or Yugoslavia or wherever, um, <clears throat> find a local holiday that's happening and have it as a backdrop. Basically, this thing is happening here. Whenever you introduce a ton of NPCs, you got lots of friendlies or local people. It's a great place to hide and and uh, for the bad guys to move. Um, tons of whatever the product is they want in and out. It's a really great opportunity to um, <clears throat> to kind of mess with the setting. It's kind of like hazardous terrain, almost if you will, in a modern setting when you have that many people all show up at one area. It can be a lot of fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Use it. I think you should. I looked up in uh, a few examples of holidays, and I I don't have a ton of books that actually outlined holidays. I went through my Dragonlance three third Ed campaign uh, campaign setting. Um, well, Grand Realms was not, I shouldn't say notorious, but Ed Greenwood had a number of them. You know, the Midsummer one, Midwinter, those. <clears throat> but having, I think, again, if you're in a modern setting. Instead of hand waving it or forgetting it, keep the calendar and look on that calendar in the area where you're actually playing. Are you playing in Brazil? Um, I think they have a couple holidays in Brazil. If you're, you know, if you're in Chile or wherever, they have holidays, either religious or um, social. Independence, civil war, whatever it is, something like that. Yeah. There's something going on, um, and it's really cool. It's this. It's a really great opportunity to play off of it and again to me it i helped to build the characters a little bit more because when i when that type of thing happens secular thank you kevin better phrase um even the secular events you know is your character into this no i hate independence day because i was pro whatever in this newly formed country or no i don't like columbus day because i don't like the the actual historical accuracy of it and these big columbus day sales and there's trucks everywhere and guess what they're the bad guys using the columbus day sale trucks for it's not just mattresses on president's day it's you know slaves being transported in mattress trucks or whatever you want to use. These things are opportunities to um, basically use them as a can, a little backdrop for everybody to act in and around. And uh, it was just a great opportunity to bring tons of NPCs together and 
in a modern world, it's a reason why people that aren't normally in any one place will be there. Right. Right. Not everybody shows up. There's not, there's a lot of people in New York city, no doubt, but times square during new year's Eve, there's a fuck ton of people there that basically have no business being in New York. Other than the fact that it's new year's Eve in times square and they want to watch the, they want to watch the ball drop. That's why they're there. Hey, have an, have an adventure, modern day adventure during new year's Eve, go across the globe. (laughs) That could be fun. (laughs) What, what obstacles could the party possibly run into? Well, all right, that uh, wraps it up. Anything else you want to talk about holidays and festivals there, Brett? No, that was it. I thought we'd kind of this, um, I've got a heavier concept and uh, hopefully a heavier one uh, for our next episode. I just want to kind of keep this one a little light coming off the holiday here and uh, see what we can get into next. So off we go. All right, let's talk about our sponsor, Michael Althauser Great Out Productions. If you are looking for a dice bag for your Favorite gamer, custom made, or there's some in stock using the mega sale. He's got some in stock that is ready to ship now to draw strings, awesome patterns, tough as nails, as Brett might say. Oh, absolutely tough as nails. Head over to grade out, G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T.etsy.com. Use gaming and BS as the promo code and get 10% off your order. Order now so you can get it in time for the holidays. Yep, his mega sale, he's got a list of things that are in stock right now already made. If you want custom stuff, cranking that out before Christmas might be a little rough for him, depending where you get in the order process. But if you see some of the cool stuff he's got, jump on it and go. All right, let's get into die roll. Die roll is a part of the show where we bring up two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to bring to your attention. Brett has two, one of which I think I gave Brett. I think you did. That was very nice of you. I only had one. I started going back to add another one, and then I'm like, hey, there's another one in there. I have, Thank you, Sean. I have four because I OD'd on die rolled this week. <laughs> nice. So I gave so the one first out. one I have is a, uh, a little Kickstarter I thought was kind of interesting. I don't um, – it's one of those that you're like, oh, that's a cool idea. I'm, I'm probably not going to get in on it here. Um, it, it's only got 28 hours left to go. It's going to be done be- by the time the sucker drops, but – it's kind of cool. It's licensed coins from The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And I have a really, I have a thing about, about coins. And for, I think my buddy Lenny, he's a big uh, gold and silver coin collector kind of guy. And I think that that's part of it. But having coins minted from the setting and so forth is just kind of cool. And I'm a big uh, Tolkien file too. So it's kind of neat. Just thought I'd call folks' attention to it. So you're, buy- wait a minute. So you're spending money to buy money to buy coins that aren't worth anything. Oh, and. Okay. very meta. Never mind. <laughs> exactly. Very, very meta. It's one of those things. We, if you think about collecting certain, if you think about collecting money, which people do, people yeah, pay right? like millions of dollars for for dollars that, for, for paper money that's you know it doesn't quite have the value. Um. <clears throat> anyway, there. If if that one doesn't trip your trigger, there's a ton of historical coins out there that other people do. Um, either stuff that's already made or whatever it is. The It's a really good piece. Like if you're going to play Fate or Savage Worlds, these type of things for bennies or Fate points and chips and stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, just from adding, instead of having your generic uh, poker chip at the table, it's always cool to have something a little more custom. So I think it's kind of neat. The other one, this is the one Sean uh, gave me. I was actually in the process of uh, trying to find another one here, and he uh, ponied this one over to me. Bruce Cunnington uh, blogged about his firsthand experience with D&D in virtual reality. Um, we've got a link up in the show notes. <clears throat> Excuse me, take a look at it. Last episode, Sean in the die roll call out the virtual reality D&D stuff. And uh, Bruce has some firsthand experience. So take a read and see what you think. 
as I say uh, last time, I'll reiterate, I don't think it's absolutely where we want it to be quite yet, but by God, it's going there. You did a really good comprehensive blog entry. It's really worth kind of checking it out. He, he went into some pretty cool detail. Yep. If you're talking about gamers and a, a new form of gaming, they're, and uh, they're going to go crazy detail on you, and uh, Bruce did a really good job. Very nice stuff. Thank you very much, Bruce. I appreciate you putting that in for us. Yeah, Bruce. Thanks, buddy. All right, so it's over to me. First one I went and saw on ICV2, the interview with Wizards of the Coast CEO, Greg Leeds. So there's a part one and a part two. Part one is more about the um, non-magic element of Wizards of the Coast. Part two, he goes into a little bit more detail about magic, um, which I thought it was an interesting interview. I don't know if it really led to any eye-opening surprises that, that Wizards is taking. Some of the questions were pretty decent, um, but it's well worth taking a look at to get an idea of what they're up to. Like even the release schedule that they've changed a little bit. They're not going supplement every month. You know, it's different. Uh, Similar to what Chris Perkins mentioned in uh, Bonus BS Episode 08, a very calculated, uh, more impactful release uh, approach. I think people people are definitely finding out that there's so much stuff right now. And if you flood a market for any game system, there is, what, what it, I can't quote Perkins directly, but the, the concept of people have a lot of these books on their shelves that they've never looked at, right? It doesn't, it doesn't help to create a shit ton of product only for just to fill shelf space. If there's no use to it, it's useless. And people get sick of it in a real fucking hurry and then they quit using it. So, so one of the things he mentioned like in, the, in part one, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes, like um, talking about the stores and square footage going up. He confirms, yes, that's that is the case. They're seeing number of stores go up, uh, in particular stores that manage play for Wizards products. Um, they've seen double digit growth in that space for the last several years. Um, they're going to support stores that support their game, which is pretty cool. And I, I wouldn't imagine why you wouldn't. Um, I just don't know how... I mean, I've seen role-playing games not really take a forefront in the the local game store, and I think it's getting harder and harder. But some of the things that he says is contrary to that. They're they're doing well. They're doing great. They're. I think some of it it, it may, may be where you are because right now in Madison, the game shops Sean and I are blessed to have a couple of them here, two, three, four of them. Depends and RPGs they they tend to have some of them have a better selection than others, of course. But when you're in there, you say, do you have X? So I don't see this thing. They're like, oh, I can order that for you. I'm like, okay, um, I do have Amazon. I can get it in two days. So it'll take you a week to 10 days? Mm, hard to do. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I mean, depending, I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to look through these here. But um, the, the type of support that they might get could be very helpful. There was right? also one other. To- yeah. Sorry, I, no, I was going to say when it comes to, to product to helping push it and have stuff on the shelf that that could I don't know, it's it's weird. It's a weird time to be a friendly neighborhood gaming store. It's it's a really tough time with internet sales and PDF and print on demand and all that stuff. It's got to be get just a pain in the ass. He says that the launch schedule for the products that they're doing for D and D being less than it has been in the past is actually making more money for them. Uh I mean, literally, it says, so you get more people buying fewer products for greater net revenue. 
And he says, that's correct. So the gear what, is the gear is vital and important, right? Kevin says on the, on the, in the chat here, you know, if the, if the stuff they're selling is vital and useful to you, you're going to grab it and go, everybody's going to buy it. Well, As opposed to one guy at the table saying, Oh, I bought the latest splat book. There's one feet in there. We want the rest of it's junk. You know, who cares? I still think it's, er- I think it's early. And I think if it's going to be, I mean, I don't have the adventure right next to me, but I mean, pick out an adventure that they've done like Horde of the Dragon Queen or whatever. Look at the amount of pages and, and whatever's in that. Find out what the price is. And is that going to make more money than if you're doing a, a splat book that's twice the amount in content at the same price? So that they could literally do less amount and still make the same money, right? Less quantity. So for them, it's if you do it steady, it's still going to come out the same. It's just not going to overwhelm everybody. So going to the adventure space, you know, launch a 96-page or 128-page hardback, high production value, but the content is less, so you're not having to pay a ton of freelancers. The art is going to come down in cost. And then they can charge the same as they would a heavy-duty splat book, so their margin is going to be better. I don't know. That's just my opinion. That's what I'm thinking. Anyways, going moving on, uh, number three, Jay Foster from 66 wrote an email into us. I put this in die roll because um, they were really starting to kind of, they, they tweeted us on you know Twitter, Facebook. Uh, they're engaging us on Google Plus um, and said, hey, could you mention our Kickstarter? So I'm like, hey, you're really putting out some, some good propaganda for us. So I, I would absolutely do that. So that's why I'm kind of, pimping their product. So they, they, he, Jay writes, dear Brett and Sean, just a quick message to introduce ourselves. We are a collective of people who write games and adventures, blog and make videos. We've been doing this for over five years and have enjoyed modest success with Kickstarters and well-reviewed games. This page is a good jumping off point for finding out the sort of things we do, which is 66 RPG.com forward slash the best of 66. And that last part's got hyphens in it. As you have shown, Link in the show notes. As you have probably guessed, this message has a purpose. We have a new Kickstarter running. It funded in a day and is on the way to the next stretch goal. This is a great. This is great, but we have two weeks uh, still to go. We are looking for uh, to reach as many people as possible. If I can just nice. read this damn email correctly. Um, we will be gratefully, eternally grateful. Um, and return the favor tenfold if you can mention the Kickstarter on your next podcast, hangout article, or share it out on your Twitter, Facebook, G plus feeds. Thanks, Jay. Um, we are available through podcasts. Yada, yada. Almost forgot. Here is the age of legends Kickstarter. So age of legends. Um, literally it's like, I think they were looking for 2,500 bucks or 4,000 bucks and they're way over that. Um, so check them out. I've seen them on Google plus some really good, uh, good guys. I think they're all guys, but, uh, and women, I actually, I think there is a, there is a female that's in their group. So I don't want to just say guys. It's it's cool when I, we've talked about this before. When the uh, encoded design guys uh, from Instructor Market stuff, when uh, Chris and Phil and and the rest of that team are putting out their uh, part time gods of fate and uh, and so on. When they like look, we have a lot of our shit together, and we're looking at four grand, at twenty five hundred dollars. Looking at six grand, and they don't have the grandiose uh, goals of hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands or whatever it is. Sometimes it feels and uh, the reward levels look good. You're like, oh, I could give 10 bucks or 20 bucks or something that's within my reach and still get some decent product and not feel like 
and to, to kick the Delta Green guys a little bit. I mean, that Kickstarter was really cool, but fuck, I just didn't have, I couldn't justify to myself the spend to get what I wanted out of that. And these type of Kickstarters to me are um, easier uh, from to, to sway me to think to get in on it. But, you know, as we always say, check it out yourself, look around, um, check the link in the show notes and so on, and uh, see if it's something you want to get into. Yeah, good group of folks. Um, number four, finally, Cards Against Humanity creator kickstarts a new game called Secret Hitler. Nice. So I would check that out. It is in kind of the same realm as Werewolf. Um, so if you click on it, it's the, oh, it's a kind of a dynamic game where you're trying to sway or like promote some type of chancellor and spread propaganda within the group. I don't even know how it works. I read it. I think a political intrigue version of party games like Mafia or Werewolf, right? Political intrigue in the thirties in Germany. You take hidden identities of one or two teams, liberals and fascists. And, uh, interesting. Could be kind of cool. Yes. Um, so, so <laughs> not secret Hitler like as in we're promoting Nazism, but it's an interesting game like in yes. the lines of werewolf. Kev, Kev Thulu in the chat room is kind of like, I don't know if that's what his <laughs> reference is to like promoting that or whatever. But anyways, that's the deal. Very cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's I think uh, it's that's it for the for the show. I think so, man. We're kind of light on this one. Perhaps not our best work, but uh, we'll Come get through. Come on, man! Every time we get on the air, it's quality content. We're always, I mean, it's awesome stuff. Don't Brett always he gets down on himself all the time. And it, you know what? We need some support from from you to to help bring Brett up so he doesn't get so down on himself. I think he suffers from a few things, and we don't want that to happen. So write into GamingNBS at gmail.com. Go to GamingNBS.com forward slash support dash us to find out more info on how you can support the show. I don't know what else to say. Thanks to our patron supporters, Joe, Swick, and Kevin Lovecraft. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. I'm going to go punch a cat in the face so I feel better. Good night, good game and all. (laughs) 